Welcome to the Global Fluency Podcast. This is a space we've created to explore the components of diversity, inclusion, and cultural competency. Cultural competency. And all of the ways in which these components present themselves in our professional and personal lives. Be it language, culture, socioeconomic class, gender, race, ability level, age, or so many other identifiers. Everything begins with a conversation. conversation. Join us in this space where we seek to empower, educate, and uplift by creating authentic conversations on issues that affect us every day in every way. We look forward to you joining us in our discussions with everyone from thought leaders, diversity and inclusion strategists, students to CEOs in the corporate, education, and nonprofit sectors. Let's discuss how we can better understand differences and leverage commonalities. Let's do away with political correctness, explore ideation, build community, and create allies. Let's start an authentic conversation. This is the Global Fluency Podcast. And this is Bertine Crevacor West. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Season 3, the Global Fluency Podcast. I am your host, Bertine Crevacore West, and I'm delighted to be here with you. Today, I have a super special guest, my friend, Dr. Elijah Nicholas. Dr. Elijah, say hi to our listeners, please. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me, Bertine. And we're so excited to have you here. Tell us where you are um, joining us from today, because you, you've you been so gracious to join us while you're traveling. So tell us where you're joining us from today. Yes. So today I am in Louisville, Kentucky, making my way to Wisconsin, me and my dog, my boxer king, Duke. And uh, yesterday we came through Tennessee and we stopped and saw the mountains. I meditated at the river at the base of the mountain and it was so peaceful and so beautiful. Excellent. You know what? Not even low-key jealous, just straight up jealous. So (laughs) I'm having a fantastic time and and everybody catching us on our YouTube channel for the video version of our podcast, Duke may make an appearance. So get ready. Okay. He, He just might. He's known for that. And I love it. He joined us in the green room. Happy to see him. He wanted his spotlight too. So I'm all for it. (laughs) Yeah. All right, everyone. So I'm going to share with you a bit about Dr. Elijah. So assigned the female gender at birth, Dr. Elijah Nicholas spent over half of his life in the U.S. military, retiring as a senior officer in 2012. Transitioning from female to male in 2018 came as a result of Dr. Elijah no longer being able to live his core values, which are authenticity, integrity, and transparency. So after retiring from the military, Dr. Elijah began to write and document his life experiences. He is now a seven-time, yes, everyone, I said it, a seven-time published author. And in 2018, just before he began his gender reassignment, Dr. Elijah discovered his passion for creating family and children's books. He subsequently created the Madoodle series with plans of animation and production of short films based on the life of the main character, Madison. We're going to talk to you all about Madoodle towards the end of our interview a little bit with Dr. Elijah, because I want you guys to know about this book, know about this project, and support it. So a little bit more about Dr. Elijah. He offers workshops for navigating relationships with trans, non-binary, and intersex individuals. He always seeks to discover new ways to spread truth with inspirational speaking and acting. Dr. Elijah actively engages communities and organizations to build bridges in the arts, political landscape, spiritual communities, and corporate arena. 
advocacy work is endless when it comes to Dr. Elijah and his life's passion. One of his favorite quotes that I'm going to share with you is a quote from Martin Luther King that says, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Dr. Elijah is committed to working diligently to ensure justice is all and specifically for his trans and non-binary siblings. So this advocacy work is a light, a one light along the path of healing the great divide, and it pushes towards the finish line of authentic freedom, true diversity, accurate equality, and maximum inclusion. Dr. Elijah, once again, welcome to the Global Fluency Podcast. Thank you so much. I'm listening to that. I'm like, wow, who is that? (laughs) I love that because I will tell you, every guest says that because it's something like it's something to behold, right? When you're listening to all that you've accomplished because you're doing the hard work, which is the daily work, right? And and when you hear like the culmination of all of that, right? It, It is it is a lot, but it just goes to show that you are awesome. So that's all that's about. Thank you. I appreciate that, Bert. First thing, and you are awesome too. Thank you. Thank you. So let's just dive in. And and I I will share with our listeners, you know, when we're in the green room, we have had so many conversations before this podcast that could have been like 10 other podcast episodes. So Absolutely. you know, we finally committed to playing the record button. So now we can share our conversations with the rest of the world. <laughs> yes. So tell me about your journey and, and you can start at any point, but tell me about your journey as, as um, you know, a former military uh, personnel, your journey as a trans man, your journey in, in advocacy. Tell us what, what led you here and what's your why? Okay. So all of those things, my military journey, my trans journey, my advocacy journey, they all culminate to my why, right? And my why is to illuminate light, is to be a light around the world. And it took me a while to figure that out, you know, from a strategy perspective, you know, creating the mission and creating the vision. It was a little challenging for me. And now I understand why, because I have so many pieces to the puzzle. I have so many things that I do. I did an interview a couple of days ago and the gentleman said, so you wear a lot of hats. (laughs) And I said, you know what? I I guess you could look at it that way. I do wear a lot of hats, um, but I look at, I like to say it like I exercise all the gifts that God has given me. Mm. And I, I think that we all have so many gifts. My gifts, I was able to utilize my gifts in the military. I served for 24, almost 25 years. I joined when I was 17 years old. My mom had to sign the papers for me to, to leave for basic training because I was a baby. I was literally a baby. Up until my last birthday, I could say that I had served over half of my life in the military. And so, you know, all I knew for a long time was the military. I joined the military because I wanted to travel. You know, people say, well, why did you join the military? I always wanted to travel. I knew, you know, that I wanted to explore life as a kid. I've always been excited about getting on a plane or getting on a bus or getting on a train, leaving wherever I was. And I still have that free spirit. And so I met someone in the military and that I realized that the military would me afford many opportunities to, to travel the world. And, you know, the, the honest or second honest answer is 
when I was getting ready to graduate from high school, my mom gave my brother and I three options. And those were go to school, get a job, or get out. <laughs> right? Okay. So That's real talk. <laughs> period. Not. My mother was like the drill sergeant. She did not play. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, I did not get, I was a basketball athlete in high school and I did not get a scholarship, right? So going to school was not an option right away because, you know, I came from a single parent home. My mother did her best in raising us and paying for college was challenging for, yeah. for yeah. you know, for her to put two, two kids through school. So that wasn't an immediate option. And working at the time, minimum wage was $3.35 an hour. That's how much I made in my first job, Burger King, $3. I could not live on that. No. (laughs) And you're taking me back to that. (laughs) $3.35 birthday. Like, when I think about it, I'm like, did I even buy, like, lunch? You know what I mean? No, you didn't. Okay. (laughs) Didn't, right? Mama did. (laughs) And so, uh, and then the, the third option, right? I couldn't get out because I couldn't support myself, right? So uh, the military really was my most viable option. And my mother tells me now, she says, you know, I did not want to let you go. I did not want to sign those papers. And she tells me quite often still today, she says, even at 17, she said, you saw a vision. Yes. Even I did it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that that is important for us as entrepreneurs, as advocates, as leaders around the world, you know, doing the work that we do. Oftentimes, others don't see the visions that God gives us. Mm-hmm. And so it's our job and our responsibility to take the vision and translate it so the world can understand. And that's what I do through my trans experience and through my advocacy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I understand that not everybody understands the trans journey and the visions God has given me. So I do that through advocacy and I try to explain it in different ways why it's so important to have inclusion, why diversity and affirmation is so important, not just for me and not just for my trans and non-binary siblings, but for the betterment and the higher consciousness of the world. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I love it. And I'm going to share the story of how we met because um, for those watching us on, on YouTube right now, they can see you, right? But for those listening, you know, on their favorite podcast channels, they can hear. So I'm hoping that what they can hear also, I'm hoping they can hear the light that emanates from you. Because the first time I met you and shout out to our mutual friend and dear brother, Dr. Danny Harris. Yes. Um, I know you're listening. So <laughs> shout out to Danny. Um, I, I went out to um, Danny's event. Danny was having a fundraiser and I went there and that's where you and I met. And when I saw you, I was like, wow, this person's aura is just emanating like goodness and light, you know? And so yes. I say that because I want people to know that you are what you say you are and you do what you say you do. And I really love and admire and respect that about you. And it made me want to talk to you and get to know you and, and just learn more about your journey. So I'm delighted that we had the opportunity to meet and now become friends, which I'm so happy about. And, you know, it's, I think it's really important when people get to not only live their truth, but to share it, as you said, for the betterment of society. I do think when space is created, for, and I'm hoping that's what this podcast does, but when space is created to allow people to share their, their stories and be their authentic selves and, and just celebrate you know, who they are 
it really makes us all better, happier humans, right? Um, I got to tell you, people ask me all the time, you know, why would you start a podcast? Because I I like you wear many different hats, even though I really just do one thing, which I always like to say, I love helping people be their best selves, either through training or through consulting or doing the work that brings me joy. And this is an extension of that, right? And so, you know, to have guests such as yourself on, like, I always say this is, this podcast is for purely selfish reasons. So I can meet amazing people and learn from them uh, because it helps me grow and adds value to the work that I do for others. So, you know, what's that saying? Each one, teach one. Yes. Yes. So, you know, that is what I love. So tell me about, now I know you offer workshops for navigating relationships, um, tell me about what that looks like. Like what as a what does a Dr. Elijah workshop look like? And who is your target audience? So uh, in the past, or I would say in the last 24 months, my target audience has been like medical. Mm-hmm. And specifically, I literally, I literally birthing, I fell into that. Like a lot of what I do, I've just happened to fall into it. I was a hospital administrator when I was in the Air Force. And so um, I have a passion for uh, making sure that things go right in hospitals. And so unfortunately, I had a not so good experience in the VA and shout out to the Atlanta VA. It's amazing. And I've not had many bad experiences, but that unfortunate experience actually uh, turned into a training opportunity. And part of that training was on gender identity, pronoun usage, and trans inclusion, specifically in the workplace. Mm-hmm. What I do is talk to uh, medical care providers and, and not at the corporate, corporate setting in general. And I talk to them about the importance of trans inclusion in the work, workforce, getting uh, leaders specifically to understand why trans inclusion impacts the bottom line. Um, and the reason for that is, well, there's so many reasons, but the bottom line is when employees are happy, when they feel welcome, when they feel affirmed and included, they're more productive and more effective at work. They're more pro- productive and effective. They produce more widgets. When they produce more widgets, the organization's bottom line grows. So it's a matter of connecting them, being the bridge, connecting the dots going not just from a, a functional perspective why inclusion is important, but from a financial perspective as well. And I just so happen to have love at the center of all of the trainings, right? And so uh, so that's what I that's what a typical workshop looks like. I am um, when I do a workshop it's always is uh, interactive. I don't like to lecture. I can lecture, but I prefer not to. It's kind of like when I've uh, when I've preached in the past or whenever I preach now. I am not a typical preacher. I will go out into the congregation and ask people questions, which is not typical. But you know, as a trainer yourself, people are more in, when people are more engaged, the workshop is more effective. So that's what I do as far as gender identity training and trans. When I speak, I actually speak from the perspective of spiritual enlightenment and trans inclusion is one of the many things that I talk about. My goal is always to normalize the trans experience. I hope that one day, Berthine, we get to a point where this particular workshop is no longer needed. I've worked myself out of a job 
and I'm on to the next thing, right? And so I want to normalize the trans experience. So just as normal as our conversation is right now, it's normal for everybody to go to work and everybody to feel accepted and everybody to be productive because the barriers have been. Wow, you are my people for real. And I say that because there are so many things in that last segment that you mentioned that are in alignment with not only what I've done in my experience, but the experiences of so many of our listeners. So um, for those that are new to the show, I was um, a healthcare interpreter for 10 years. And so, yes, yes, indeed. And so um, shout out to all of my interpreters listening out there. And so part of what I noticed was um, um, my son is on the autism spectrum and he's this brilliant, naughty, precocious, talented, amazing kid. But I noticed that um, other families that I I was interpreting for um, and that I've seen, they had never had to even address the topic of autism. And so healthcare providers didn't know how to broach that with them culturally, linguistically. So like you, I saw a need for something and I created a workshop out of it. But then we also saw the need for, you know, those brothers and sisters in the LGBTQIA community where their needs linguistically weren't being met and culturally weren't being met. And so that altered their experience, similar to what you were saying. So then we created a workshop out of that. And I do love though, that you've created a workshop for yourself for like from based on your experience, because I can only speak about this through an interpreter's perspective. So basically through the ally perspective, but you can speak through it as the advocate perspective, which I think has a whole different connotation, right? Mm-hmm. So I really love that that these, these, these workshops are being created to not only meet everyone where they are, the provider, the patient, you know, but to also make it so that one day it's not necessary, right? And, and I said the same thing. So I swear you're peeking into my conversations. Um, I said the same thing. I was like, I love what I do, but I'm looking forward to when it's not necessary anymore. And then we'll move on to the next thing, right? Um, so I, I really commend you on taking something that personally affected you because not everybody can do that. Not everybody can say, you know what, I'm going to take this negative thing and make it into a positive thing. And I'm going to honestly make yourself vulnerable so you can really do this work, right? So let's talk about that for a second. Let's talk about vulnerability. How do you make that happen for yourself in order to draw people in? Like how, what is, what is your process when it comes to vulnerability? And then we'll talk about the ROI on diversity because I agree with you a thousand percent on that one. Now we would like to take a moment to thank our sponsor. Westbridge Solutions is a professional training company focusing on diversity, inclusion, cultural competence, and soft skills trainings. Westbridge Solutions offers a variety of innovative training courses, both in-person and online, live and self-paced. Their clients include corporations, government organizations, healthcare organizations, the nonprofit sector, universities, and individuals such as yourself. Through their rigorous training programs, Trainees learn to understand differences, leverage commonalities, and achieve organizational, professional, and personal actualization. To learn more about Westbridge Solutions, please feel free to visit their website at www.westgrouptraining.com or follow them on social media on Facebook and Instagram. Westbridge Solutions, 
empowering professionals for success. Sure. So let me just say a couple of things before I answer that question, if you don't mind. Uh We have another thing in common, and that is uh, my youngest daughter, Asia, is on the spectrum. And yes, she's my former former wife's uh, biological daughter. And so I I wanted to just share that with you because I want to say that Asia taught me so much about unconditional love. I mean, just from we entered one another's lives when she was four and I was at 40, right? And so I had not had experience, one-on-one experience with anyone on the spectrum. So it was brand new for me. When I tell you, she just gave me such a, a different perspective, another level of love. I mean, like, so she's completely nonverbal. And so she has to communicate in other ways uh, than verbalize. It really afforded me the opportunity to get uncomfortable yes. and, and, and say, okay, God, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea how to do this. And being the angel that she is, she guided me, her tiny mind, which is a huge mind, right. and guided me, this person who thought he knew it all, who had it all together. So I just wanted to, to share that with you. And then the second thing is, you know, this is an area that, that we've not delved into at all yet. There's also a population of LGBTQIA, specifically trans individuals who are also on the spectrum. Yes, yes. I was doing some research and came across the numbers because I'm a data person. And when I saw that, I was like, wow, talk about intersectionality. It was astounding to me. Yes. And I I recently connected with a lady who is on the spectrum, who is also trans. Mm -hmm. And so we've had some wonderful conversations and I look forward to seeing what comes out of that because there's a, a, a community here whose uh, needs are not being met, are not being addressed, have not been, you know, we haven't even chipped away at it. So right. I'm excited. It, 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 it excites me because I know that's something else that we can do, something else that we can do to help the world, right? And so I love how uh, individuals on the spectrum are willing to be vulnerable, right? And almost have to be vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. To get what they need. So that taught me that it's okay to be vulnerable, right? So ways that the, the way that I am vulnerable, specifically workshops or thing is I simply tell the truth. Yeah. I know that that may sound cliche. It may sound uh, simple. First of all, it's not simple, and right. it's not simple, it's not cliche, mm-hmm. and it is. It takes a lot to be vulnerable. Um, it doesn't take as much now for me because I've shared my story so many times, and my story doesn't change, right? And so it, it, I look at it as it is what it is. Really, it was what it was, mm-hmm. and now I am. I have the power and ability to create my narrative, to write my own narrative say, you know, be vulnerable and say, this is how this affected me. However, this is where I am now. And that's the connection that I'm able to make with people who are not 
trans or non-binary, right? Because you don't have to be trans or non-binary to understand that transformation happens to all of us. Transition happens to all of us every single day, whether we're in the cocoon phase or whether we're in the butterfly phase, right? It happens to us in, in many different ways. So being vulnerable in many, and really in any uh, situation that I'm in, it allows me to make the connection with people in the room. We can, if we spent time just finding a connection with another person, whatever that connection is, we talked in the green room about language, mm-hmm. right? Speaking someone's language and speaking to their heart. When we can make the connection Really, the labels go out the door. The labels go out the door and the connection, which at the core, I'm learning the connection is love and something that I also just learned yesterday in the Alchemist book that I'm almost at the end is the universal soul that exists within all of us. And like, that's a whole different podcast. I just got chills like that. Oh, like that's really what is you know what it's all about and be, being vulnerable allows me to learn a new level of that every single time that I'm able to, to be vulnerable and, and share my ego if you will you are in my head because I was gonna say that has a lot to do with ego right I'm talking about myself and everyone else so being vulnerable means shedding that egoistic perspective that that honestly um we think protects us from things, but it actually keeps us from having the relationships not only we can have, but that we deserve to have with one another, right? I always say we need to give ourselves some more grace, right? Because we're always taught to extend it to everybody else, but it starts internally. And when we're able to do that, we're able to not be droplets of water, but a tidal wave of empathy and compassion. Okay. I said it for you, Dr. Good. A tidal wave. That's tweetable. I mean, right, if we think about water, right, one drop at a time might might not do anything, but that drop turns into an ocean, right? And that's how I think it's always best. I, I share your perspective on how to engage an audience and vulnerability is the first part, right? Because then we can lead with empathy and compassion. Um, I always tell people um, when I'm teaching about or training about, you know, cultural competence or and, and mentioning any underrepresented group. Um, I tell them about me a little bit and, and have them sometimes guess, you know, who do you see, right? Mm-hmm. Because our eyes will always deceive us, right? So yes. seeing that we can't rely on that to learn about our true selves, right? What's beneath that waterline in that iceberg, if you will, right? We have to learn how to use our words to have these authentic conversations. But that starts out with, with like I said, compassion, empathy, and respect. And so once we have that, we can just create whole new relationships and really attain a level of, and I know I'm speaking your language, a level of enlightenment, you know, that was otherwise denied to us by our own selves. By our own selves. Right. And so I heard um, this quote from Pitbull, because you know what? I think Pitbull is a genius. <laughs> so <laughs> I hope you're listening to this podcast. Shout out to you. But Pitbull, Shout out to Pitbull. Okay. <laughs> Pitbull, Pitbull said something the other day that I thought was fantastic. I was just driving in my car, um, listening to his, um, his uh, satellite station. And he was like, you can either fear or fear. And he described the mm. first fear as um, fear everything and run or face everything and rise. And I was just like, oh. okay, see, Pitbull has 
go right so write that yes. down okay that's good that's <laughs> good it's so good and i was just like wow you know first we can draw sources of inspiration from where we are open to looking Right. So sometimes we're walking around with our eyes open, but really they're closed. Right. And so it's important for us to to really just put our egos aside and just get inspiration from where we can so we can share that with other people. And to go back to um, the return on investment, another quote, you know, when in Rome, you know, speak the language of the Romans. Mm -hmm. So we have to tell, you know, and and it's not even convincing. We just show people data. Right. Show people data because what you said about widgets is true for every organization. So if people feel like they're met with compassion and empathy and respected, they're going to be happier, right? Mm -hmm. And don't we all want happy employees? Like the packaging of any product, honestly, in my opinion, is irrelevant. It's our our physical bodies we don't take with us when we transcend, right? Mm -hmm. But while we're here, let's take care of those bodies. Let's respect those bodies, ourselves and each other's. There's so much more to the human condition than the body in which we are. And I I always think, you know, what a great opportunity for corporations to really be about it. Because Mm -hmm. I I feel like a lot of, um, unfortunately, a lot of times when we hear these these buzzwords, diversity, inclusion, and equity, the actions of a lot of companies are performative until Mm -hmm. we show them the bottom line, right? We want them to produce the widgets with happy employees because the widgets mean, you know, just a return on their investment. And I think before, you know, DEI and IED trainings weren't seen as something to invest in because they didn't make money. But then when you show people a realistic example, right, of not only their workforce, right, which the LGBTQIA community represents a substantial portion of, but what their workforce can accomplish. When, when honestly, some simple processes are put into place and those processes might look like, you know, something as simple as having a rainbow flag in the mm-hmm. lobby, because mm-hmm. doesn't that automatically make you feel like, oh, OK, yeah. you know, that's cool. We're welcoming people. Why not? Right. Yeah. And yeah. For those advocates out there. Um, well, I should say for allies out there, such as myself, like I always say allyship is not just a noun. It is a verb. Right. But the thing is, not everybody needs it in the same way. So this is where equity comes in. And we allies rely on advocates such as yourself to tell us specifically what you need to have something happen for you. Right. Because it might be different for someone else. So before I go off on a tangent about allyship, I still want to get some some information about Madoodle out there for our last remaining segment. So tell us about this amazing book, Madoodle. Yes, so Madoodle, which I have right here. Right here. This is Madoodle, and um, this here is Uncle Pete, and this is Madison, aka Madoodle, and this is Mr. Squirrel. He just, you know, he, he's along for the ride. And I, it's so funny. I talk to them every single day. I have these characters up from my uh, apartment. I have them in my, in my kitchen, in my laboratory, in my, my guest bed, like everywhere. And I, I'm single right now, so that's okay. I, when I get married again, I may not be able to get them. For now, while I'm single, my characters are all over the house. That's right? all right. <laughs> that's so, right. The right person will understand when you, and if you decide not to be single again, they will understand that Madoodle is a part of your family. <laughs> yes, like, you know, this is a whole nother podcast for another day, right? But I was, <laughs> as I was driving, because, you know, I'm, I'm on this long, long drive, yesterday yes and tomorrow right 
today. And so I was driving and I was like, you know what? The Madudo characters are my family. Like you always say, you're my people. Like they're my family. Like I cannot wait to uh, bring the characters to life animation. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I was just thinking about that yesterday and I was like, like I know these characters intimately, mm-hmm. right? And so it's such a blessing and a gift to be able to bring them to life. And I, I was thinking about it because I'm not exactly sure why I was thinking about this, but I thought about the perspective on mental health, right? And how we 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 um uh, people who have schizophrenia and who have, you know, different mental health. I am a person who has been uh, diagnosed with depression and yeah, I want to say that I'm a huge mental health advocate, right? And so it's, it's amazing how society shuns individuals who are schizophrenic. But, and so I was thinking about this and I was like, but somebody might say that like Dr. Elijah is schizophrenic because he talks to these characters, right? He's like, I know this is like totally off topic, but like these characters are all over my room. And I think that perspective is everything, right? Absolutely. And 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 so yeah, so again, it's another another uh topic, another podcast for another. You know, we have like seven or eight topics already <laughs> under our belts because we have yes. not had them yet. <laughs> yes. Um, so I was just thinking about that, but Madoodle is a story about a 10-year-old African American girl who is navigating the journey of her uncle Pete, who was once her favorite Auntie Mary. Mm-hmm. So Madoodle is actually in search of a birthday gift for Uncle Pete. And Uncle Pete hasn't been home and he hasn't seen his favorite niece, right, since his gender transition. So they both are kind of nervous and they're kind of like, it's their first time meeting, right? Even though Uncle Pete is an adult, Uncle Pete really is only a, a year or two old, right? And so he's meeting his niece for the first time and she's meeting her uncle for the first time. So she's dealing with letting go of her her auntie or re framing, reshaping her narrative of her now Uncle Pete. And so she goes around to her teachers and to her classmates, her best friend and her mom. And she's like, uh, and her brother. And she's like, you know, what do I get Uncle Pete for his birthday? He's coming home. And I just, I want to do, you know how kids are like, they want to do the right thing, right? And so um, we take readers on a journey, on this journey with, with Madison and the, the book title, Madoodle, is what they have in common. And so I won't give that piece away. Please uh, get the book to find out what this commonality is and why, why I chose that, that name specifically. Um, but that's it. It's a, it's a journey. And so I just uh, dropped the new kid, Madoodle, the new kid, in June. I haven't even started marketing it yet. It dropped on Amazon in June. And this particular book, I introduced a non-binary character, Jamie, to the classroom. And so this uh, this book, this book, second book in the series, actually is helping kids navigate how to talk about or not talk about someone's gender in a welcoming way and just the core, loving this person that we see. Because I love what you said, the eyes can be deceiving. You may see one thing and think that it's one thing, but it may or may not be that thing. And so... Uh, the new kid is just just that it's about the new kid who goes to the classroom and really challenges everybody in the classroom including the teacher because they are making them uncomfortable uncomfortable by being I absolutely love this 
so excited. It's a it's a series. It's a 10 book series. And I'm on the second book now. The third book is also done and we get ready to start the animation for that. So it's I'm excited about it. Oh my gosh. That Okay. So I knew it was a series, but a 10 book series, that is phenomenal. Congratulations on this. I, when you're saying this, you're speaking to my heart as an ally, as a parent, as, you know, an educator, just there's so many places where this book adds value. And so I do want you all listening to this podcast, go and get your copy of Medoodle on Amazon and leave a review when you do, right? Because that's going to help put this book in front of so many people um, that, that not only deserve to have it for knowledge sake, right? But need it. Because as you said, this is a mental health issue. Um, there are, I recall um, one of my good friends um, growing up, he was always worried about, you know, coming out to his mom as gay in high school. And I remember we were sitting on my, um, my porch and he came to visit me and he said, I told my mother, and I was like, told her what, <laughs> right? Because I was like, because we had so many other things to discuss, right? Yeah. I was just like, told her what? And he's like, I told her that I'm gay. And I was like, did she not know? Because that at that moment, he was also coming out to me. And I was ah. like, but we've known this since you were eight. <laughs> so yeah. we, were, we were like 15, 16 years old. You see, wow. and he was worried that his mother was going to kick him out of the house. And when he told her, she was like, so? And I mean, he was expecting this big moment and everybody in his life who loved him, not that we could care less because we did care about him, but we were like, oh, we knew that. And and what, <laughs> right? Yeah. He expected this dramatic thing and he'd been carrying it around for so long. And we assumed that, like, we didn't assume anything. We were just like, oh, okay, right? Yeah. And yeah. so I felt at that moment, he had this huge sigh of relief. And I felt so bad for him though, because he'd been carrying around this fear of being shunned by everybody who loved him. And we were oblivious to that. We, because we just, we didn't think about it, right? Mm -hmm. Because it was just, just like his eyes were brown and his hair was black. And, and so that I said to myself in that moment, I never wanted somebody that I loved and cared for to ever feel that way. But then as an adult, I was just like, people need to know that, that there are safe havens for them within other people. And so your book to me represents a safe haven. And it's not only a book about, you know, one child and that child's uncle, but it's a book about families, friends. It's a universal appeal, which is why I was so excited to have you here to talk about this. And so now you know we're going to have to make this a two-part show because I'm going to have to break this in half, but <laughs> I love it. But um, I Thank really you. just, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the characters in the book to come to life, especially in animation. I feel like this is going to be so transformative for not only those in the LGBTQI community, but for educators, particularly in elementary and middle and high schools, right? Um, I want to see parents read this with their children. I want to see friends gather to read this together. Um, it's a fantastic book written by a fantastic person. So I'm excited for you. Now tell everybody, Dr. Elijah, where can they find you? So they can find me on, uh, well, Madoodle is on Amazon. It's sold um, on Amazon and actually uh, uh, we're at walmart.com now. And, and hopefully I'm going to be working on getting us in some, some other 
other places, but right now it's available on Amazon, and that's Madoodle, M-A-D-O-O-D-L-E, and Madoodle, the new kid. And if you put that in or just uh, Google Dr. Elijah Nicholas, it'll come up on Amazon or Walmart. Walmart, And they can find me on Instagram at Dr. Elijah Nicholas, on Twitter at Dr. Eli Nicholas, on LinkedIn, Dr. Elijah Nicholas. My website is ElijahNicholas.com. And that's where you can schedule me. You can book me if you want to just talk to me or have me come and speak. Uh, go to ElijahNicholas.com. You can also see uh, my previous podcast shows that I've done. And, uh, you know, everything after Elijah Nicholas. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much again for being on the Global Fluency Podcast. And for all of our listeners out there, remember, this is your podcast. So if there's an issue you want us to talk about, if you want to recommend a guest on the show, if you want to be a guest on the show and you want to talk about anything related to diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, um, we are your home. So please always reach out to us and we look forward to joining you for the next conversation. So remember, keep the conversation going. I'm your host, Bertine Krebacore-West, and it has been my pleasure to have Dr. Elijah Nicholas, our good friend on the show. Thank you once again. Thank you. All right, y'all, let's keep the conversation going. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Global Fluency Podcast. Tune in every Tuesday of the month at 10 a.m. for our latest episode. Connect with us on our social media. You can find us on Facebook at Global Fluency Podcast and on Instagram at Westbridge Solutions, LLC. Global Fluency Podcast. Understanding differences. Leveraging commonalities. Let's keep the conversation going. Going.